Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Coach! What's up, DJ? You fired <laughs> up? I'm fired up, ready to go! Well, it's it's Tuesday. You know that, right? Oh, yeah. damn. Right. So yeah, we got more hitting to do. Build up. Build up, <laughs> DJ. You know better than that. Yeah, what, what, what Jerry's saying is shut up. He said you can't win the game on Tuesday. Jeez. <laughs> Last time I looked, no. <laughs> okay, we can still be fired up. We just tempered a little bit, Coach. That's it. Plus, unless you play in the MAC, they play on Tuesday. I that, guess you could win the game on Tuesday. See, there you go. But, no, I'm so. not fired up about them. Not yet. <laughs> <laughs> um, give me a weakness that Penn State has right now because there's uh, not one that's pretty obvious. Well, okay, when you say weakness, it doesn't mean bad. Let's establish that. Okay. I, I, I'd say probably the offensive line is behind the player development of Penn State since James has been there. And yet, when you look at the offensive line, when Bill O'Brien took over and when James took over, it was really behind the rest of the roster as far as player development. So probably the offensive line, but obviously they make up for it because they're an option team, and by virtue of the option, you gain a blocker because obviously you're not blocking one of the defenders. Plus, they've got the best player in the country in Saquon and one of the best quarterbacks in Trace. Uh, but I, I think the short answer is offensive line, but I don't want to say it in fact that they're struggling in the offensive line. They're just not as good as everywhere else. Yeah, I, I would agree with that assessment, Coach. Now, when you look at their defensive line, do you think they are stout enough to shut down D.K. Dobbins or J.K. Dobbins and, and the running game of Ohio State? Because I believe that's going to be the key. They, they're fine with making J.T. Barrett chunk it all over the field, and he's got some great guys he can throw it to. They have to stop the run. Are they stout enough to do that? I think it depends on what runs Ohio State decides to present to the defense. Again, we could see two option teams. As much as this is wide-open attacks and two great quarterbacks and all this kind of stuff, at the core of their being, when they get in trouble, meaning they're in a tough game, they're both option teams. So I, I, I do think that Ohio State can move the ball on Penn State if they incorporate the option. The problem with the option is you put JT in harm's way. The other problem with the option is you don't need it if you're Ohio State in most games but you need it in the big games. And if the mesh isn't tied up and if the reads aren't accurate because you haven't been doing it in all the games, it can create problems. Do I think Ohio State can just run direct runs at Penn State without the option? I think it would be give and take. I, I think Penn State would win some of those battles, and I think Ohio State would win other battles. I think where, where the offensive and defensive lines are going to come in, BJ, is where – is when the offense gets behind schedule, second and long, third and long, mm -hmm. then I think the advantage goes to both defensive lines, Ohio State 
and Penn State's defensive lines because I think they're better than both of the offensive lines they're going against. That's a great point because Michigan rolled into Happy Valley last weekend only allowing opponents to convert 20% of their third downs, and Penn State converted about 60%. 57, I believe, was the, the exact number, but they didn't have many third down plays. I think seven, but... They only had one of those third down conversions was ten yards or more, so it's going to be key to be in those manageable, manageable third down situations. You have to stay on schedule in this game, right? I mean, you, you've got to be first and ten and second and six better more than fifty percent of the time. They'll have somewhere between twenty-five and thirty first and ten opportunities, and whatever team can come up second and six or better more than fifty percent of the time keeps them out of those third long situations. And then you start looking at turnovers and all that other stuff that plays into every game. But with these two slugging it out, uh, you know, I just think we watch first and ten. Who's throwing the ball better in first and ten? And when they do run it, who's gaining four yards or more? Gio and Jones with Jerry DiNardo now with the Big Ten Network across the country on CBS Sports Radio. It feels like Saquon Barkley's gotten to the point where he's matchup proof. Doesn't matter what you do to him in that offense or who you're playing, he's going to find a way to get his. Uh, if you had to scheme against him, uh, how would you try to slow him and that Penn State attack down? Okay, so that's an issue, right, Gio? So you got to figure if Ohio State learned anything by watching Penn State and Michigan when they were off, it is, okay, if we played man coverage on the perimeter between Gasicki and Barkley, how the hell do we match up with them, right? I mean, that's the issue, right? It's because it's contradictory. If I want to match up with the wide receivers, I play man. But I can't match up with Kosicki and Barkley with the linebackers. So do I play zone and give the advantage to the receivers and to JT? Give JT zone, he's he's going to play pitch and catch all day long. One way to challenge JT is to snug up coverage. One way to challenge... The Ohio State receivers is not to let them shake coverage. People have all proved that, and some other teams have proved that. So what do you do? So I'm not going to answer the question because I don't have the answer. But I, mean, that's, that's, I mean, that's what I'd be studying. I mean, that, that's what I, I'm watching this game unfold Saturday night, and I'm saying I'm thinking about the Ohio State-Penn State game after a while. Obviously, it was Penn State was going to win. I'm saying, okay, if Greg Shadow mans up on the outside, how does he match up in the inside? And uh, Greg knows a lot more about defense than I do, so I'll leave it up to him. But to me, that's the problem. Exactly, and I thought Trace McSorley would have to play a big part in Penn State winning last week. He did, accounting for four touchdowns in that ball game. Now, Ohio State, their last five opponents, the combined record is 17-19. and 19. We're talking Army, UNLV, Rutgers, Maryland, and Nebraska. But yet and still, you won all those games. You blasted all those teams. So does that... From a confidence standpoint, going into this one, does that really give Ohio State the edge off the heels of losing to Oklahoma? Well, I, I think it gives them a little bit of edge. I think revenge gives them more of an edge. Mm-hmm. Uh, human nature says, you know, that they know they haven't played anybody really good, and maybe what they've done the last few weeks isn't a great measure. But revenge is always a motive, and always, always in the back of an athlete or competitor's head. Uh, I, I still don't know where JT is in the big games. To me, you know, you watch the Nebraska game. I mean, BJ, Nebraska game looked like a Thursday practice where you script a bunch of plays and you just march down the field and everything looks good. Yeah. And, you know, we know JT can perform there. 
And then I watched the Oklahoma game again last night. You know, JT didn't get much help in that game from the offensive line. I, I mean, sometimes the receivers couldn't shake coverage, but there were times when there were receivers open, but, but JT just wasn't protected well enough. So can Ohio State protect JT, and can he throw it in tight windows under extreme pressure? It, there's tremendous pressure on JT. JT, the kind of kid, he's a great kid. He's a three-time captain. I, I think he feels like he has to win this game, no matter how much Urban says, just play the game. It's not all up to you. I think he feels that pressure, and he needs to be protected to respond to that pressure. Is Wisconsin going to be better than just rolling to the title in their half of the, the Big Ten and then losing in the championship game again? Is this going to be a, a different outcome for them? Can they take that next step in 2017? You know, I, I don't know. The worst thing for Wisconsin is they're not playing enough tough games. I mean, they look – I watched them again whenever it is. I don't even know what day it is. But I watched them again after Saturday and studied them. You just wish they were under the fire more. They, they just look like they know they're going to win. You watch them. It looks like they're going to win. They're very talented. They're very well coached. But, damn, you want to be in tough games before you're in a tough game. I mean, this is, you know, Ohio State, at least they lost to Oklahoma. You know, Wisconsin, you know, they kind of just are getting through the games, and they're really, really good. But I worry about them. Now, they have Michigan, which, you know, we thought would be better. I worry about the Iowa game. I mean, if I say Wisconsin get upset, I I, I look to Iowa to do that. But anyway, I'm rambling. Uh, I wish they had a tougher schedule for their sake because they could roll to Indianapolis and then not be in a tough game and suffer not being in a tough game during a tough game. Yeah, I think if they get in one where they can shut down Taylor, who's been fantastic, the freshman running back, and they have to lean on Hornybrook, it's going to be a tough deal for that offense to score some points. Michigan State... Uh, the day since the win at their Michigan, which was a tough one, but they got it. little brother uh, wins again. Uh, they they they've had some tight ones. Uh, do you think they're the the second or third best team in the conference? Uh, you know, I don't think they're as good as Ohio State, Penn State, Wisconsin. I mm-hmm. think they can beat Ohio State, Penn State, Wisconsin. I mean, this is Mark Antonio, right? I mean, yeah. count count them out, and then he beats you, and then you wish you never opened your mouth. And so. Uh, you know, they're just kind of an ugly team. They're playing really good defense. Their offensive line, you know, they're, they're okay. They've got some waist spenders. They've got some really tough guys. Uh, I think L.J. Scott is the answer. You know, he's just got to get – he's just got to pass this driver education. <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I, you know, I lost my license, too. Everyone's all over me. He should have been suspended. No, he I shouldn't have. I, I mean, I know, I know. I mean, I, I was co- I was coaching in East of Michigan, and I lost my license. I went in front of the judge, and he said, "How'd you get here?" And I said, "I drove." He almost put me in jail. Uh, maybe it's Michigan. I don't know. But anyway, uh, you know, it's just typical. This is what Mark Antonio loves. You know, I mean, he just loves these close games, uh, and he, he's they're 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 playing the way he likes to play, and that's how they played for ten years, except for last year. Gio and Jones with Jerry DiNardo across the country on CBS Sports Radio. You can always check him out on the Big Ten Network. Did you think that by now Jim Harbaugh would have more success? Yeah, he's behind schedule. There's no doubt he's behind schedule. And here's and when I say schedule, here's the schedule. Ohio State wins the national championship 
in, in, in Urban's third year. James Franklin wins the Big Ten Championship in his third year. Jim has come in third in the East for two years in a row, and it looks like him and Rutgers are going to play for fourth place this week. And so he's behind schedule. But, but more importantly, why? Why is he behind schedule? He, they had, uh, what, what, 11 draft picks last year, so obviously Brady left in talent. In fact, I think his record right now is exactly the same as Brady's at the same time. But Brady left in talent. I think their problem is quarterback play, offensive line, and tailback. And when you line up in a pro formation, like Wisconsin, you better have an offensive line. Wisconsin probably has the best off- one of the best offensive lines in the country. I'm on the Joe Moore uh, Award Committee, and I hear a lot of guys talk about a lot of different lines, and I think Wisconsin's in that conversation. But, but Michigan should have a better offensive line. If you're going to line them in pro formation, you better have a tailback like Jonathan Taylor. At Wisconsin. I mean, if you're an elite team, like Jonathan Taylor, and then you better have a quarterback. Hornybrook's a good quarterback, not a great quarterback. But if you look at the personnel at Wisconsin, you say if Wisconsin that recruits two and three stars can be built like that, and if Michigan can be built the way they are on defense, why can't they be built that way on offense? So certainly behind schedule, and maybe the scheme has caught up to him. If he's going to try to win games 14-7, 14-10, which is what you do sometimes, when you line up in that formation and you're in a big game. So, yes, behind schedule, answer to, to have a long answer to a short question, Gio, behind schedule for sure. <laughs> well, take, like. <laughs> take as much time as you want with this because Notre Dame, they are ahead of schedule, I think. No one uh, figured them to be sitting where they are with just the one loss and running the rock in the manner in which they are. 317 is what they're averaging right now. Now, Coach Kelly overhauled that, that staff. I think it's six, seven new coaches, two new coordinators. You've been there. Uh, you've been the leader of these pro- programs. How difficult is it to get all those new voices and, and faces and philosophies to mesh? Maybe the most difficult or certainly one of the most difficult things you do in coaching and usually the thing that gets a guy fired, okay? It's usually – a last resort. You know, I said the same thing about James Franklin. I mean, Joe Moorhead changed and then uh, Shoup leaves to go to Tennessee, uh, and, and he, he rebuilds his staff, not as yeah. much as Brian. Yeah. But for Brian to rebuild that staff and get this result, I think that's extraordinary. I think if you study the history of coaching changes, meaning staff changes, you'll find, you know, and Mike Riley's going through this in Lincoln, you'll find most of it doesn't work. It's a hard sell to the team. It's certainly a hard sell to your administration. And it's a hard sell to the fans. And Brian has done all of that, and he deserves this kind of credit. He's changed himself. You know, Brian has kind of changed himself twice, I think, since he's been at Notre Dame. And I can remember a story about, you know, about Ara telling him and, and maybe Lou telling him, you know, there are a lot of people watching you on the sidelines. And, you, you know, you, 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 just, you just have to be careful with everything that you do there. You're, you're in a fishbowl. And to his credit, he, you know, he's, he's made some changes. It's hard, BJ, it's hard for a guy like Brian Kelly to give a play calling. It's mm-hmm. like Steve Spurry giving a play calling. If you're a head coach who's a play caller, I mean, that, that, that's one of the most fun things, exciting things you do. And to all of a sudden stop doing it when you were the head coach of Grand Valley, then the head coach of Central Michigan, then the head coach of Central, uh, Cincinnati, and then the head coach at Notre Dame and start out being a play caller, 
man, giving that up is hard to do. And I, I, I just give him a lot of credit for what he's done. Yeah, it's like me giving up pork chops. Hard to do. Can't do it. Well, that's impossible, BJ. Yeah. That's, little, that, that, that's, that's the next level. That's the <laughs> Jerry, thanks for the time as always. We thanks, appreciate coach. it, man. Bye. Right. See you, See you, BJ. Jerry DiNardo of the Big Ten Network. We're coming right back. Geo and Jones on CBS Sports Radio. Bogus has got an update mm-hmm. for us. I mean, it was. Greg, great to see you. Brian, how are you? Uh, Pete, good morning. Uh, it took the Eagles a little time to get going on Monday Night Football, but once they finally did. Back goes Wentz. He ducks under the rush. He is floating it for Clement, who has a touchdown. Corey Clement. Got to get that in. Merrill Reese on Eagles Radio. That was Philly's third touchdown in less than nine minutes, turning a 10-3 hole into a 24-10 lead, which became a 34-24 final after a fourth touchdown pass from Wentz. Philly has now won five straight, is 6-1 overall. Wentz, 13 touchdown passes during the win streak. I feel confident in all the guys. You know that I just got to get get the ball to them and let them make plays. And um, we're we're picking up some big chunks, big chunks down the field. And um, guys are guys are winning. And um, I'm just putting it there. Washington drops to three and three. Zero and six on Monday night with Kirk Cousins under center. Browns left tackle Joe Thomas is having surgery this morning for his torn left triceps. Normal recovery is six to nine months. Thomas wouldn't commit yesterday. To playing next season. Viking safety Andrew Sandejo suspended one game for his helmet-to-helmet hit on Baltimore receiver Mike Wallace Sunday. Oh, sorry. Bengals linebacker Vontez Burfecht not expected to be suspended, but maybe fined for kicking Steeler fullback Roosevelt Nix in the helmet on Sunday. How about those 76? Eight to shoot. And now down to Joel. Joel on the block. Puts it up with the left hand. It's in. And a foul on Detroit. Simmons with a triple-double. Embiid with a basket. And the Sixers with their first win of the year. Tom McGinnis, Sixers Radio. 30 for Embiid. 21, 12 boards and 10 assists for Ben Simmons in a 97-86 final in Detroit. The Suns got their first one of the season as well. 117-115 over the Kings the day after firing head coach Earl Watson. Eric Bledsoe, who tweeted, I don't want to be here Sunday afternoon, was sent home yesterday after a meeting with GM Ryan McDonough and interim coach Jay Triano. I was playing! Bledsoe likely played his last game for them. The Wizards, 109-104 winners in Denver. The Warriors handled the Mavs, 133-103. Memphis won in Houston, 98-90. And the Bucks fought off the Hornets. Giannis back to Middleton. Three-pointer, it's up. Good for Middleton! Nailed the three-pointer. With 43 seconds left for a 103-94 final. 32 points, 14 rebounds, 6 assists, and 2 blocks for... Giannis Artecuco. <laughs> After a Sunday meeting. <laughs> That's been in there. That's a new one. Who was it's that? Been in our that was folder. tyranny. That's... Giannis Artecuco. <laughs> I've, I've never played heard, that one. I've never heard that one. That's, that can we've be the worst one, one ever. No, we've never played we've that never one. Played that wow. one. Trust me, I would know. We've never played that one. I found it right alongside the other ones. Oh, that's amazing. Adam Giannis Roberts and Tiki. Artecuco. <laughs> I'm never going to be able to say this guy's name Ante right. Cuompo. I, what? <laughs> Cuompo. <laughs> you know, what? Tiki. Say what? <laughs> Tiki insists with Cuompo. Like there's uh, some yeah. sort of like at the time that Tierney thought he got it right, he did that too. And it's Quampo. Giannis Atentacuampo. <laughs> yeah, it's a Quampo. It's not there's no Quamp in there. Is that that's <laughs> tiki, like, right? Like leave the Quamp at home, all right? Check Giannis Atentacuampo. Check the Quamp at the Ooh. door, Tiki. <laughs> right. Like there's did you no... frisk him for the Quampo? <laughs> <There's> no... <laughs> 
Quampo sounds like currency. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds like we can send you money. Yeah. It's like PayPal, Venmo, or Quampo. What's, what's the exchange rate on the Quampo? <laughs> and, and, and Giannis Antetokounmpo is just a man. Antetokounmpo. I got it now. Under, under pressure Dude, on TV. I got it now. Oh, I got it now. now. Oh, wow. <laughs> no, oh, really? <laughs> but you don't. <laughs> but they do. You're still shoehorning in Quamp. <laughs> <laughs> like when Tiki or Tierney says Tiki or Tierney got it, they like got Tiki it. Tiki or Tierney got uh, it. Okay, sorry about that. Let me hear the BT one again. That was great. Giannis Antetokounmpo. I, 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 I'm <laughs> never going to say this guy's name. Tony Kuko. So many people just give up. Don't quit. Oh man, still the worst is Stacy King, right? Is that the one, the Atacarumbo? Yeah. That's got to still be. <laughs> Giannis Atacarumbo. Yeah, that's, that's just that's still the worst one. Atacarumbo. Giannis Atacarumbo. <laughs> President Obama. <laughs> and then it was Evan Roberts was in there too, right? Uh, Giannis Atacarumbo. That one's really bad too. <laughs> I had that one originally, Gosh. but then I realized that people don't, might not know Evan's name. <laughs> You right away, what? so I went to BT. They're all worse than the next. And remember, Francesa tried this. Mike Francesa on WWE. Giannis Antetokounmpo. <laughs> That's what I call him. Antetokounmpo. <laughs> Antetokounmpo. He <laughs> <laughs> got an uncle. What? <laughs> I still, I'll go back to what I said the first time. Like this, this sounds like a. A racially insensitive cowboy and Indian movie <laughs> where the cowboys show up and then they run into the chief and the chief doesn't speak English but rather speaks this. Giannis, Antetokounmpo. We don't, we don't understand you, Indian. <laughs> Tatanka. What do you mean, Antetokounmpo? <laughs> speak American. You've been, hitting, you've been hitting the peace pipe too Can much. Can you picture, for those of you who know what Mike Francesa looks like, like in like traditional garb with the headdress, and there he is with one hand up in the air. Antetokounmpo. Antetokounmpo. Oh, he retreats into his longhouse. Unpo. All right, you, you were saying? I was uh, after a Sunday meeting with head coach Ty Lue. Dwayne Wade would not come off the bench for the Cavaliers. Wade had wondered what his role was in the starting five. He has started all but 11 games in his 15-year career. The Dodgers will have shortstop Corey Seager for the World Series after missing the NLCS with a bad back game. One, of course, in L.A. tonight. Dallas Keiko and Clayton Kershaw, your pitching matchup. And from the NHL, the Leafs got by the Kings 3-2. The Sharks a 4-1 win at the Rangers. Guys? Charlie Blackman's going to be in here like any minute now, right? I mean, like 10 minutes. It's, why are you laughing? I'm still laughing. Indian reference. Antetokounmpo. There's a visual component. Quo unpo. You know, like he just slayed a buffalo for his people. Quo unpo. Unpo for you. Giannis. Peace offering. <laughs> We want uh, uh we want pillage your chuck wagon. <laughs> what if you just give us a little umpo, please? Umpo. <laughs> 
Oh, uh, there's going to be more this year, funny. too, because the guy keeps getting better. I so. know. Yeah, 30-something last night. And the Kumpo. Giannis Atentacuampo. Kumpo. Kwamp. That Kwampo went off. Giannis Atentacuampo. Kwampo. And the Kumpo. And the Kumpo. Giannis and the Kumpo. That's what it is. All right. Um, where are we going to go from here? Oh, yeah, we're talking about Charlie Blackman, who is going to be here who I guess is just promoting the World Series. I guess oh, that's he, it. Which is Since a, he's not in it, you would think you'd be on vacation not wanting to see it. Yeah, I know. Which I is wouldn't. A, which I is don't a, even want to see it. I would play. This is an interesting one to me, right? Because not only that, but why? Like, do you need to promote the World Series? Apparently. <laughs> <laughs> It's the damn. It's the World Series, right? So anyway, he's scheduled to appear in studio with us in the last segment. But as soon as I said that, Mikey B picked up his cell phone and started calling somebody. So it makes me think Uh that maybe Uh Charlie Blackman is going to be Charlie Noman (laughs) because. Yeah, anytime you see that, when I start promoting a guest, then Mikey B Uh-oh. quickly scrambles to his cell phone. That just means they're downstairs, right, Mike? Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. What was that, man? How come I promoted him, and then the next thing you know? Just got a text from him, so I was seeing where they were. They are on Varick, so I'm going to go down now. They should be up here soon. Are we doing mm-hmm. them first before the next door interview? Yes. Good. All right, good. I was worried that he'd come up and go right there, and then they had an extra hour, and we didn't, and we get screwed out of it. No, we're, we're a you national got it, You got it under control? Yeah, we're, we're... national. They're local. Ah, <laughs> good. There you go, Mikey B. Put your foot down. Yeah. You want to be... The guys over there can't even yeah. say onto the gumbo. Yeah. Break. You, you want to be on the local or on the express? Oh, man. Kumbo. Kumbo. Come on. You ever use that line? No, I just thought of it. All right. I was going to say, you ever did no, I'm not saying it over there. I'll do it here in our private space where they can't hear us. Uh, all right. Go and get... They're streaming us. Go and get the guest, will you? Cry out loud. The Kumbo go. And don't... Uh, <laughs> Don't say that ever again out loud because you're going to make someone upset. No, they wouldn't be upset over that. Uh, speaking, well, that's right, because they know it's not true. Um, so, uh, speaking of the World Series, it's supposed to be like 100 degrees in L.A. for games one yeah, and two. Yeah, uh, this time of year and other times, they have the what's called the Santa Ana winds. Having lived out in California, uh, that's what happened. They have this, it's like a, it's not like it is, uh, this robust mm. system. Robust that rolls system. through high pressure. Robust system rolls oh. through and pushes the the winds and the cooler air. The winds push the cooler air oh, towards the coast. Man. Jones here. Yeah, I've been yeah. in it. Oh. It gets hot. Oh, does it? Africa hot. Yeah, Santa Ana winds. I've lived it. Yeah, that's what they call it. Santa Ana winds. So yeah, good. I hope the Astros melt. Oh, you're not gonna be one of those guys, are you? One of what guys? I think they're gonna win it all, but I hope they melt first. Uh I don't know. I gotta pick the Dodgers. I don't even, I mean, I don't, uh, there's reasons to get into both of these teams for me. I mean, the Astros story is a little bit better, right? Like having not won a World Series, what happened to Houston, the Houston strong stuff. You can get into that story. You know, Altuve and his, you know, uh, vertically challenged self. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You can get into that story. And the Dodgers, they're a little bit more like the, the big bad Dodgers with the big payroll and the big city. And, you know, they've won World Series before. It's been a while, of course, as we know, 1988. 
is uh, not yesterday. Uh, but the, definitely the that underdog feel, that team that you want to jump on, would probably be the Astros. But I, I really, the times that I went out to L.A. and went to Dodger Stadium, I had, like, the best time. Yeah. Like I had, And I've, ne- I've never been to Houston, so I can't say, I can't speak on that. But there's something about watching a game at Dodger Stadium that's so cool. So uh, from my personal experience, being a National League guy, uh, I'm probably going to end up rooting for the Dodgers. That's what that probably because of your allegiance to the National League. Nah, well, just, well, just because well, Houston, my personal experience. Houston was so long, you know, lived so long in the National League. It's hard to even still consider them an American League team, even though that's who they're representing. Uh, and I just think with the, that lineup, it's just relentless. Uh, they, they are. They just <laughs> they go after you like some hyenas after some raw meat, right? Man. Until it's not. It yeah. was like for three straight games, right. it was non-existent. True. Uh, and I don't. I think Kershaw. Yeah. Darvish, they've seen a lot of him from his Texas Ranger days, and I, I just don't think they're going to be able to shut those bats down. Maybe Kershaw does, but that's about it. I don't see anyone else that they're going to really fear, and they're probably not fearing Kershaw. Uh, yeah, the, at this point, I mean, I'm sure that's the by far the toughest task. Well, Darvish has pitched well for them. I mean, you got to give – I mean, I don't know if they – Yeah, he's pitched well lately. I'm just saying the Astros have seen a lot of him. Yeah, I that's, guess. that's the point for me. Well, I don't think that there's going to be fear necessarily. I mean, I don't know if they feared any of the Yankee pitchers. Did they fear them? No, but they got shut down by them, you know, a couple of them. So, um, you know, maybe the one guy you're afraid of would be Aroldis Chapman because he throws 102 miles an hour. But um, So I, I don't know if there's any sort of fear in them. I, but they're, you're right, their lineup, I mean, it, when it's on, it's on. And you feel like they'll never be shut down. But in those three games, I thought that they'd never get a hit again either. So mm. that's sort of been the nature of the Houston Astros. Until they did. Well, yeah. the whole series. I mean, two the first two ball games are in Houston. They only scored two runs in each of those. And, and then, of course, they opened it up once they got back to Houston in game six. Game seven. <laughs> what was that again? Nine games seven, what? Seven. Game six and seven? Mm-hmm, seven, seven. Okay. Yeah. Charlie Blackman <laughs> joins us next. Follow us on Twitter at Geo and Jones. You did something that I think is so smart. You just like totally unplugged. Yeah. After the season, right? Because you were like, "Man, they what? That happened?" <laughs> you got you kind of have to do that, don't you? I went off the grid. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I was checked out. I, I didn't answer any of the messages. I couldn't even get the service to get the messages. And uh <laughs> You know, I, I went dark for a little while. <laughs> it's a smart thing, but you are back, and, of course, the World Series starts tonight, and you've got two teams in the Astros and Dodgers that had phenomenal seasons, and, you know, that Dodger team went on that unbelievable run and then were really bad for a while and then back again. Um, when you look at them as they're constituted today going into this series, you think they're in a pretty good place to win this thing? I think they're well positioned. You know, it, it's interesting to see the two teams from the regular season that played so well that won 100 games actually make it to the World Series. You know, it, it, it's rare that it boils down exactly like everybody thought it was going to be. The two best teams in the, in the regular season make it. And, uh, you know, it, in saying that, the Astros are a great team. But I, I do think I think the Dodgers have no weaknesses. Uh, you know, I, I can think of very few I you know I got something in my mind that I I would maybe question and and look at but uh I I just feel like they're a great team 
Well, I'm going to question. I'm going to get something off my chest because you did something you shouldn't have done. You broke my boy's record. Leadoff hits. Uh, uh, excuse me. The leadoff RBIs by a leadoff hitter. You broke Darren Erstead's record, 102 RBIs this season. So uh, it's funny that you're, you're a here. Big Darren Erstead guy. I'm friends with Darren oh, and his wife oh, Jessica. We were we and were Jessica and, and we were discussing this. Actually, it came up a couple weeks ago. So we talked Nebraska football back and forth. Of course, Darren played on a national championship team. He's now their their baseball coach there. So the fact that you're here, I get to get that off my chest, man. Breaking my man's record. But I want to ask you about that that pitching staff, especially Kershaw, with that funk delivery he has we know he has good stuff but is it even more frustrating to a hitter with the delivery he has and all the herky jerkiness of it how difficult is it to pick up the ball uh, absolutely that, that's part of what makes Clayton Kershaw who he is he, he's very deceptive and, and if you walk try and watch him imagine being from the hitter's perspective he, he starts very tall and then he totally drops down into his legs and then rushes at you, you know. And, and then, you know, there's all this movement. You never see the ball until really late. Um, and, and that's part of what makes him as good as he is, you know, on top of a really good fastball, good slider, you know, great velocity, all that kind of stuff. Then he's hard to see. And, uh, and to make it, one, you know, one step more difficult for the hitter, he's at his best when he's from the stretch. You know, the wind-up gives you more time to um, get on time, you know, time him up. But when he's from the stretch, I mean, he gets there quick. There's very little movement. It almost makes you have to cut down on your leg kick just because he gets on you so quickly. Now, does there, when he's from the wind-up, is there a particular area you focus on, or is it just, you know, good luck? <laughs> you, you know, I've tried lots of things, and – I've mostly figured out what doesn't work against Clayton Kershaw, <laughs> and uh, and I, I'm sure I'm in the same boat with a lot of other other hitters. He, he's he's so good and can do a lot of different things. And honestly, I, I back off against him. I, I try and do do less, don't not mm-hmm. more. Um, you you really have to simplify. You have to not be concerned about swinging hard and hitting extra bases. It's more or less. Uh, don't strike out and uh, just try and swing at something over the plate. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. Gio and Jones or Charlie Blackman across the country on CBS Sports Radio. Your year this year was just, I mean, unbelievable. I mean, you, you had 14 friggin' triples, man. Like, this was, a, <laughs> this was an incredible year. So it's, it's real easy for you to uh, be able to promote baseball in the World Series when you're leading the league in so many categories. What was it about 2017 that, that made you have the year that you did? Uh, you know, I, I think the first thing is I was lucky enough, very thankful to be healthy all year. And, and it's hard to to – do some of the things that happened this year uh, for our offense and me if you're not on the field uh, frequently. So, so I think step that's step one. Step two is is I just try and get a little bit better. I think it's c- consistency is now the focus of my development. It's not the ability to to hit a fastball or a slider. It, it's to be able to do it, you know, five times a day for 162 days. Uh, and I think that sort of came together for me this year, but mostly because, you know, I, I wasn't battling an in injury. Yeah. Uh, when you look at the Astros, did you, I don't know if you guys played them at any point this season uh, during the interleague play, but uh, what are your thoughts on that line? We were just talking about how relenting they are. 
you know, top to bottom. Maybe, you know, you get a little breather with Brian McCann, but he came back and, and stung uh, my Yanks, uh, his former uh, employer, in that game, uh, game uh, seven. You know, that, that's, the best, that's the best offense. And you look at who they are on paper, and, and I was doing that this morning trying to figure out where to go if, if you're an opposing pitcher, and they have no drag on that lineup. There's the, I think the thing that has really ballooned their offense this year is the guys that you were not counting on being very, very productive. You know, uh, you kind of don't know what you're going to get in in Bregman as a young player, but he hit, you know, 284 with almost 20 homers. You know, like if, if that's the guy that you're worried about and he comes out and he's well above average offensively, you're going to have a good offense. How can we get you the MVP? Is there anything we can do here? Because <laughs> I think that uh, you're the only candidate that's been in the studio here, and you led the league in triples, plate appearances, yep. runs, batting hits, average, average total bases. I mean, you got some like big dudes, and then you got Stanton, you got uh, Goldschmidt. So much about home guys, runs. Who cares? Come who on, cares about those guys, right? Yeah. I mean, you're a, yeah, you're, yeah. you're a baseball on. player. Sure, home runs aren't important. Yeah, yeah. yeah man. You're, come you're on. a baseball player here, right? <laughs> I mean, come on. Um, what can know, we do for you? <laughs> I guess we need to make some phone calls or something. Uh, you know, I, uh, the most valuable player. That's just one of those things where. Uh, you know, it means different things to different people. Well, and your agent's in there. It means a lot to him, doesn't it? Yeah, <laughs> it sure does. Here it is, in uh, section of the contract. This is what it means to us, Charlie. It sure does. Um, you know, I, I just think that, it, you know, to be included in the conversation is is very humbling. You know, you're looking at some of the best players uh, on the planet, and, um, you, you know, things have gone well if, if, if we're even having that conversation. So I, I'm, I'm – you're too happy. humble. You're too humble, man. Come on. What, you know? what else needs to Shut go? Shut the mics off here for five minutes. <laughs> we'll really talk about this, huh? Jeez. What else needs to go well for the Rockies to be in the World Series next season? What's holding you back? Uh, we did a lot of things right this year. We 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 really came out of the gate and did things that we had never done before with strengths that people didn't know were strengths for us. We, we had extremely young starting pitching this year, and that – carried us through the season pretty consistently and our bullpen is the best that I've ever remember it being um especially late Greg Holland was so good for us uh you know he converting all of his saves except for you know maybe two something like that and 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 traditionally when you think Rockies baseball you think of a very good offense a team that scores a lot of runs and then this you know that struggles on the mound, and and I've been saying all year, even in spring training, that the strength of our team this year and the next coming years is going to be pitching. And these guys are young, they're good, they're competitive, they want to win, and I think we are on the right track to do that. Things went unbelievably well for you this year, but the nature of baseball is you're always going to go through stretches where things aren't going exactly the way you want. And I think that the coping mechanisms of the great players are always fascinating to me. Like When you're not going well at the plate what are some of the things that you do to get out of it that's a great question um there, there's a couple different places i'll go uh the first thing is, is um the arrogance in me where i'm thinking well if i'm not doing good it's it's just because my body doesn't feel good it couldn't possibly be me you know <laughs> so uh, step one is i'll try and recover better than i have been uh you know 
make sure I'm hydrated, get my extra sleep, maybe a day off. A lot of times it's as simple as that. You know, you're just worn down and your bat speed's just a tick late. Um, other times, you know, when, you, when you're when you having real issues, uh, I try and back off the results and, and focus on the process, make sure that my swing is where it is. And I get terribly simple. And usually it's I want to take good swings and swing at good pitches. And, and that I mean, and that's it. If I'm doing those two things, if I'm not swinging at balls way out of the zone, and generally my swing feels pretty good at this point. So if I can do those two things, it's just a matter of time before things are going to come back around. So I'm, I'm not going to add more pressure or uh, let myself mentally get into that slump. Now you mentioned you've been off the grid. At what point will you jump back into your training and, and get ready for pitchers and catchers to report? I usually give myself about a full month off. Okay. I'm totally on vacation. I do all the, all the donuts, all the, all the desserts. <laughs> there's, there's nothing that's off limits for a month. And, uh, and, and it used to be less, but I've gotten a little older. I, I, I know that I can get back to where I need to be physically, uh, and, and I'm, I'm good at doing that efficiently. So I, I do give myself a little extra time. Do you hate spring training now? Have you gotten to that point now in your career? No, really? honestly, I love spring training for a lot of reasons. Um, earlier in my career, spring training was so important and it was so tough and it's hard to go in there and look at all these established big league players and try and claw my way and try and mentally get over that hunt with, man, I, I, you know, I got to compete with this guy or that guy. And, and, um, and now I look at spring training a little differently and it's to prepare for the season, which is still very important. Um, but it's nice that I can play baseball and enjoy the game and have really no emotions about the game afterwards. I can totally disconnect and not like just stew over that one at bat where I struck out and we didn't win the game, you know, in spring spring training, (laughs) you know, it's less winning oriented and more preparation oriented. So you really just enjoy the game and play it like you're a kid. Look at you. Got it all figured out now. Well, I'll tell you, man, you're uh, you're talking about your MVP season. You're not stressing about anything. You're eating donuts. It's good to be Charlie Blackman, isn't it? It is. You can say it. You can stop and, and you being bring us any Krispy Kreme. Say, say, no, no. say yes, it's good to yes, be me. You know, I'm very, very happy to be me. Yes, there very it is. Happy. I knew it. <laughs> There he is, Charlie Black. Now win the MVP, man, so yeah. the agent can be happy to be with you. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna we'll be uh, making sure we run the campaign for you because uh, nobody else is coming to the studio of, of like Goldschmidt or Stanton. They come in, then we'll root for them. But as for now, it's just you. <laughs> At least you've nice. been honest, right? <laughs> <laughs> Charlie Blackman, check him out. Go Rockies next year. He's a great dude. He's gonna have another great season next year. Gio and Jones talk to you tomorrow. CBS Sports Radio. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular-season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.